welcome back to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. My name is Julian Guderlei. I am your show host. And today I have a good friend of mine back on the line. His name is Marcangelo Coppola. He is the founder of the Superhero Academy and a mastermind tribe that meets around the big buzzword of freedom culture. And on today's episode, we're really demystifying what freedom culture means or can mean, who owns freedom culture, who invented freedom culture, or if that even matters, and how to practice freedom and freedom of speech, opinion, religion, belief, faith. And on today's episode, you learn about Mark's perspective on freedom culture, Mark's perspective on individualism and collectivism, or in other words, on how to be your best self while also being the best for the community. Uh, we'll also talk about permaculture and why permaculture or regenerative agriculture seems to be such a fit for freedom culture and living in more free ways where everybody is honored and encouraged to be their most unique and genuine self. So without further ado, jump right into the conversation between Marcangelo Coppola and myself. Constant struggle between individualism and collectivism, right? There's these, there's this constant need for understanding that we want to be the unique snowflake that we were taught that we were when we were growing up, right? Like we are, we're all these amazing people with unique gifts and, and something that we can bring out to the world, right? We all have our own version of superpowers, as I like to call them. Um, and at the exact same time, there are these global crises that are going on, whether it be climate change or the vanishing of the bees or, or you know, all the different problems with, I don't know, pipelines around the globe or whatever it is, right? So there's these, these forces that say that we, we have uh, kind of internal guilt for living an amazing life and, and a privileged life that comes with, I don't know, having laptops and cell phones and internet and all these amazing things. And then realizing that not everybody necessarily has that. Not everybody's necessarily living a life of freedom and not everybody, even if they do have laptops, cell phones, all these different things have access to technology and, and many of the marvels of our, of our modern world aren't necessarily free because they aren't necessarily um, kind of employed or doing the thing that they feel most called to do. And so freedom culture is um, a collective state of being that empowers and encourages all individuals to spread their unique gifts to the world. And so the way I see it is it's a flag, right? Nobody owns the rainbow colored flag. No one person uh, is the face of anonymous. No one person is the face of America or Canada or of any country necessarily. These are flags that represent particular values. And when you think Canadian, you think particular things. You, you might think particular stereotypes and you might call those stereotypes, but in a sense, they, it actually kind of shines through as some of the values that people associate to flags and particular brands and identities. And in society today, we obviously are surrounded by brands. We're surrounded by all of these narratives about like, what is Nike as a company? What does Google mean? What does Apple mean? And, and how do they represent particular feelings and vibes and, and not only technologies and services, but also ideas and values. And so I think that that is fascinating. Uh, and I see a kind of a starvation that we all have as we connect on our devices, right? The, 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 the illusion of us connecting through the online world is, is, yes, we can connect. Yes, we can relate. Yes, we can create massive movements and have massive impact through the online world. But the word device comes from the word devi and uh, in French, the old French word. 
uh, or, you know, I guess derived from Latin in a sense too. But the idea is a divi stands for dividing, division, right? As we are connecting, we are actually kind of disconnected. We are, we are decentralizing. And I think that that's a, a was a, a, a common kind of plight, right? One of the ways that wars would, that would happen back in the day, you know, one of the strategies of war, uh, the book that I'm reading now is 33 Strategies of War. One of the strategies is divide and conquer. Great. Now, what's very interesting is that as we've divided, the world is divided too. Airbnb, Uber, crypto, all these different things, blockchain, all of these technologies are now catching up to a decentralized world. And so if we could decentralize uh, and have the, the benefits of these technologies, but also organize and have the benefits of collectivism, right? Uh, for example, buying power, if, if a bunch of people buy the same thing at the same time, they get a, all get a discount together. So there's no doubt about the fact that there is, there's things that enable us and, and kind of empower us and, and support us being the black sheeps that many of us are, and surely the people who listen to this are in their own psyche. And at the exact same time, there's also benefits for being the white sheep. And so how do you balance those two, uh, you know, is, is a very interesting uh, dualistic kind of extreme, but I don't think it has to be. Very interesting. I, um, I, I dig what you're saying about freedom culture in, in the sense that it's really like an, an active, alive, um, breathing organism. Like it, it's actually also the reality we as people embody every day and, and, and who, who we choose to give our attention to. So yeah. maybe, maybe share a little bit of your perspective on how freedom culture and how this flag that we really started raising in that sense how that connects to permaculture and the permaculture revolution, because that's truly where there's a mutual fit. It's like an energy that doesn't just sustain itself, but starts to regenerate uh, more and more momentum because permaculture is, is a form of holistic living. Yeah. So, you know, the, the term of permaculture has kind of started to fade away as the term of regenerative agriculture s starts to take its place. And the idea of regeneration of permaculture of all these, of these notions of nature is that nature doesn't just sustain itself it actually kind of continuously spirals and thrives it new things grow new things flourish if we just sustained we'd all still be the little tiny one-celled organism and humanity would have never existed so there is progress to nature there is some level of of movement forward even though it tends to be slower than let's say how fast we have to update our iphones and and you know the next iphone coming out or whatever it is right but the reality is that that we are nature. We are a part of nature. We have always come from nature. We, we resonate with nature in a way that we, we sometimes forget. And so if you can build not rules, not a, not a box that contains a particular um, subset of, of humans or of thoughts or values or of technologies, but more so a, a space for creative, expressive freedom, where people can come together, they can rally around a flag that belongs to nobody. So it's not mine. I, I didn't invent freedom culture. Uh, I champion the message of it. I, I believe in it. I, I think it to be a rallying point and a cry for saying we could be more that. empowered. And, and it's actually, it's such a powerful distinction. Thanks. Thanks for making it right. Cause it's no one actually owns the flag. No exactly. doesn't matter who has invented the flag. It's just a matter of a collective kind of, uh, yeah, just understanding of the flag, right? Exactly. If you can understand, exactly. If you can understand what the flag means, and then you can appropriately fly it, then essentially it is yours to fly, right? And that's the that's the goal of 
and if, if there is a goal, the goal is to allow people to feel like, hey, this is something that represents me and represents my values. This represents my freedom, or at least my quest for freedom. And realizing that that quest is an endless quest. There is an endless fight for freedom that is constantly going on. And how do we represent that that fight? And how do we represent the people who are really dedicated to proliferating this freedom in as many people as possible, right? Because every time I, I see somebody who steps up into their power and discovers their superpower and brings that gift out into the world, I feel enlightened by, by seeing them succeed, but also I benefit from their success, right? Like as more geniuses step into their genius, then more amazing things happen. Can you imagine if, if, if Steve Jobs was never free and all of a sudden he never, his, his, his family, I think, I believe came from Syria, right? Or his father, I think, did. Imagine they had never left Syria. They never came to America. They never had the opportunity of, of having the freedom that he had to explore his creativity and create what is now Apple, iPhones, all these different things. And, and of course, there's so many people behind him who, who made that possible too. But if he never had that freedom, we might live in a very different world today. And the same is true of Mark Zuckerberg, who creates Facebook, or the same is true of the person who invented a camera or the person who invented a car. I mean, any one of these people have, in a sense, changed the course of history. And they did it because they, were, they had the ability somehow to persevere and fight to, to really bring their ideas and their gifts to life and bring it out to the world. And so building a movement that says that is non-exclusionary, right? So it doesn't say, you know, uh, you know, something like Black Lives Matter inherently says that somehow other lives are out of a, out of a different context. It's not saying that they matter more, but it's, it's a flag that only certain, a collective group of people can fly and not everybody can fly. Yeah. So, in a way, yeah. Uh, yeah. So how do you, how do you eliminate that border? How do you Many a flag that is inclusive to everything while has clear values and boundaries, right? Exactly. And, so and the only flag and experiencing that with each other in community is really how, how that looks like this is, this is one of the most interesting things I, uh, feel about any of this kind of new paradigm life, right? Is it, yeah. it, there's nothing glamorous about it. Even if you're jet setting from a next country to the next country, like all it really is, is, is living at the edge of like evolution of oneself to really see how can I express my most freedom, but also be part of, well, culture, collective culture, or the way we're showing up in a larger collective. Because as a family of 7 billion humans on planet earth, I think um, we can do way better, you know? Exactly. And, and so here's the, the reason why the word culture is so important, and, and you pointed it out there, is that freedom from one, one paradigm and in one way might mean something different in one location than it does in another, right? Go to an American and ask them what freedom thinks. Go to an Iraqi and ask them what freedom thinks. And clearly, they have not historically necessarily gotten along with what they believe is the best way towards freedom for most, right? Now, that being said, by respecting freedom and understanding, hey, we want to empower and encourage all these people to have their unique gifts, and at the exact same time, respecting cultural differences, understanding that freedom is a culture, it is a space, it is a way of being, it's a way of interacting, it's allowing space for others to be able to express themselves and be heard and express that freedom, express their ideas as much as possible, that essentially that starts to melt borders and say, that let's say a Western version of freedom isn't the only freedom. It is a form of freedom. It is one way of being free is to have access to the internet, for example, right? You know, having access to a phone and technology is one way of being, but 
is the person who has never been discovered in a tribe in you know the Amazon for, uh, rainforest of Brazil not free themselves? The answer is yes, they are because they have their own culture and they have their own version of freedoms and expressions. And we should not necessarily implant our ideas of freedom onto others. And so I think there's been many wars that have been fought on the name of freedom in in always what they would have considered from their perspective being the right side of the equation. They all, everybody believes that they're on the right side of history, right? And history is his story, right? That's how we, like history is written by the winners most of the time because the losers died. Very, very interesting. So if, if that's the case, or, or now that, that we're saying this is the case, mm -hmm. be an earth vision or a forward vision we could write about humanity actually at a large that for one, multiple angles can agree to, even though they don't need to all be on the exact same page about how peace or freedom or expression looks, right? Like Earth is also a pretty big place. The same goes yeah. for community. Like if there's 200 people in a place, uh, it doesn't mean everybody needs to go do yoga at 7 a.m. Some exactly. people very much will, right? So, so like what is an Earth vision that you, you feel we're not making up, but we're actually leaning into this like voice of purpose or spirit or... Um, yeah, intuition that actually really exists and, and has, has a place in, in society at this point in, in, on our timeline. So how do you feel yeah. we're receiving purpose into this earth vision that we're sharing? Yeah, I, I think from my perspective or how I take it is I want to build tools, spaces, and places where people can gather, where we try and be as inclusive as we possibly can, all the while understanding that there are constraints for every single location, gathering, opportunity, and anything we bring forward to the table. And I see the incubation of ideas that are decentralized, that are open source, that have an ability for others to take the idea and then kind of plant it and, and seed it further uh, as a way that that spreads. So the way I see it is like a flower that, that has the, the chance to go from seed to sprout, to flower, to harvest and to bloom and literally drop its seeds and then spread its seeds in and of itself express its full version of freedom within the culture and the culture meaning the ecosystem that it could survive, right? So if we can allow as many flowers to bloom and harvest and, and kind of and, 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 and spread their seeds in a weird way, then essentially we are achieving some level of, um, of help. I think the thing where this gets convoluted and this is where it, it you know, some people feel like it could go down the wrong path is when any one entity or person or movement or flag says that this is morality, right? We believe these, yeah, like to, to claim that this is moral in one way or the other, it doesn't, it, it creates division immediately. It's almost like within, if something is properly, truly, authentically moral in that sense, it, it's automatically accepting everything else that's also moral. Exactly. And so freedom culture, from my perspective, is a, my hope would be that it would be a, self, a, a tool for organizing communities that want naturally to, to form together, that have their own versions of morality, so that one group of freedom culture, let's say a group of people who gather in the jungles of Costa Rica, that group can have their own set of morals and guidelines and rules and, and the way that they engage but that essentially the same ideas, the same constructs can then be used to build another group that has a completely different version of morality and their own version of, of the, how they want to run their own events or their own gatherings, their own ideas. And if we can enable the structure that allows the communities to thrive, that's what makes something really go uh, decentralized very powerfully. 
this is, and we see this in action all the time. Facebook provides constraints on how you can make a Facebook page, but it doesn't tell you what you need to post on that Facebook page. What is you can and cannot post on the Facebook page. What all those different things. Now, over time, like any freedom, as you build a freedom and, and, the, and the internet decentralized, we gain freedom. But then all of a sudden there's fake news and we, it was used to do this election, that thing. And then all of a sudden they become the morality police. They become the police for fake news. What's fake, what's not, what's good, what's not. You hear the complaints on the right, you know, the, the far right, for example, saying we're being censored by Facebook and leftists and Silicon Valley and all these things. So now all of a sudden the freedom that was once the social media is now constricting. And so again, the cycle of nature will be that as it constricts, a new freedom will emerge right? Maybe the next chat app is Telegram, which has more freedom. You know, WhatsApp had more freedom. That's why everyone flocked to it because it allowed people to get away from the tyranny that was the telecom companies for a long time, right? Hey, I'm going to, I want to call somebody and they're in Brazil and I'm in Canada. You're going to have to pay our telecom fees. It's like, no, now we have the internet. So I get to call for free through WhatsApp. That, so the, the herd, whether you're a black sheep or a white sheep or a bit of both, and I think we all are a bit of both, Essentially, you will always move towards where you have the most amount of expansion and freedom as possible for the most part. And it doesn't mean that we're not led astray from time to time. It doesn't mean that we don't get herded and put into, into cages or into, into our versions of cages, sometimes voluntary cages that we choose to have. But it just leaves room for somebody to come and, lead and, and build a better an escape route or a better system where we have, again, that freedom yet again. So it's an ebb and a flow. Freedom kind of comes and goes. And we've seen this happen throughout history. Um, so I don't, I don't want to pretend that freedom culture or any one group of freedom culture uh, is, is right and moral. It's just a way of organizing ideas and then incubating those ideas. So I see freedom culture as being an incubator of decentralized ideas. And Uber doesn't tell you the morality of what you're using Uber to go and use, right? If you choose to drive to, to, you know, I don't know, go to some kid's birthday party, that's a very beautiful thing. If you choose to go drive to go tell your girlfriend or boyfriend that you're going to go break up with them, maybe that's an immoral thing. But is Uber doesn't, Uber itself isn't the morality police. It's just a tool. It's just a way of right. you using it. So along this idea of like an incubator for, for those kind of uh, decentralized ideas, is that what would be your answer on like how, how freedom culture turns into embodying the earth vision in that sense. Like we're actually building decentralized tools because we're somewhat underlying those ripples of freedom emerging through culture, which yes. will look like the full cycle, including constriction and, and, and pushback. But then again, there's a next level of freedom. Exactly. So I, I think freedom culture's only job is to find ways to organize elements of chaos so that they are slightly more effective than just chaos itself, yeah. right? Chaos itself is what we experience right now. Ideas come to life, then they have to fight. Whoever has the best CEO and the best connection and the best thing gets their project funded. And it's not necessarily the best idea that gets put forward. It's the person who had all the pieces together. Now, what if we can just allow the best ideas within a small group to actually come forward, allow team to fall, fall behind it and actually let it percolate right up to the top by, by giving every idea a little bit more time and space. Now, again, there's always going to be some constraint. There's always some level of what that is going to look like in one group or another. But, but building that, um, that space for that incubator to kind of flourish and different ideas to kind of flourish enables a self, 
organization to be a little bit more effective. Because if you're in a really good group of people, uh, for example, who all have a similar culture, the likelihood that they, if they come together in a space, they actually experience each other, they actually connect in a deep way, uh, they respect each other, they create that, that mutual culture. Once that culture is there, then those seeds that were maybe dormant or dull or, or couldn't grow in, in the soil that was before now can grow, right? And so it's very, it's very powerful that if, you know, if, if Facebook and Twitter and, and Google all tomorrow morning decided that they were going to accept Bitcoin as a payment system on their system, Bitcoin would replace the US dollar as a world currency. They literally have the choice through the influence that they have to actually shift the paradigm. And so that creates a massive disruption to, to um, the current status quo. And when you have disruption or when you have competition, right, that is not impeded, then you have real freedom. And that was like, you know, even someone like Ron Paul, for example, wrote something called End the Fed is an amazing book. He ran for president in 2012. I was definitely a fan. I was a fan of Bernie Sanders after, and I'm not trying to be political. I'm a fan of their, of their, uh, their truth, that they spoke their truth. I don't, I'm not a leftist or a rightist. I see the, the value of both of those. But what I could say is that um, Ron Paul had a very good idea. He said, if, if the American dollar is the best, then why not let it compete with others? Why not allow other currencies to be able to exist within the American economy and then let people, if, if Chicago all of a sudden wants to use a different kind of currency, let them. Because if they do and its currency is better than the US dollar, then more people will go to it and then it will thrive. And so I think that we're seeing this start to, to flourish now as it happened with the internet, we, we, got, we removed the shackles from uh, our telecom companies, we removed some shackles, and we created new ones. And again, like I said, that as we create freedom, there's consolidation, but we create freedom, more consolidation, so on and so forth. But overall, the quality of life is getting better and better and better as we have more and more of the decentralized technologies and access to- Which is a moving fact already at this point in time, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, arguable. It's fascinating. I, I love when you, when you kind of, open up the, the curtain of what's next a little bit more there in terms of how, for example, let's say alternative currencies are really a choice of those who already have the traffic of all of us. Because if you have a billion or two billion people audience, like you're basically at the pulse of humanity. Um, so very, 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 very insightful. Hey, um, as we're wrapping up this, this short episode, is there anything you want to invite people to? Any, uh, anything you want to share with people where, where they can find out more or, or get in touch with you? Um, yeah, I mean, look, you can find me. I'm, I'm sure I'm tagged in this video somewhere. You can find me online, uh, Mark Angelo Coppola, uh, my Facebook page or whatever. You can reach out to me there. But more importantly, I think I want to leave you with the question of what is your unique gift? Do you really know what your unique gift is? And if you do, or if you don't, um, if, if you don't, first of all, maybe take the time to sit down and think about it, right? Really take the time to think what really lights me up and what what seems to get the most reaction from others when I show up, right? When, and then you, as you show up as yourself. And if you do, are you living true to that gift? Are you doing everything possible to, in your life, to really bring that gift forward and shine it out to the rest of the world? Because I think that's the biggest service that you can have to humanity. It's the biggest way you can leave a legacy. It's the biggest impact you can have, um, even on an individual scale, towards the collective challenges that we face in society today. Ditto, absolutely. I, 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 love, I love it like so, so straight, straight on in terms of like bring your gift 
let, let others experience your gift, right? Like, exactly. Share your gift into, into the collective. So um, yeah, thanks for your empowering and encouraging words uh, for people to step into purpose. Thanks for being back on Green Planet, Blue Planet and sharing kind of your earth vision and the way it's already real and happening and just getting stronger and stronger every day. Thank you to be back, Mark Angelo. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Thank you. And smash that like button. Help, help Julian. He deserves it. He's doing such a good job. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. Make sure to follow the podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Check us out either on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you love to listen to this kind of information. My name is Julian Guderlei. Wherever you are in the world, have yourself a stellar day.